right, everyone. How are you doing? I am Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast, and here with me I have... Kevin Bailey. I am captain for Grand Rapids Dynasty. And I'm uh, Felix Peroni. I'm uh, one of the captains for the Columbus Gamecocks and also uh, treasurer for the NDA. And uh, Kevin is, uh, you know, tongue-tied and a little bit shy, so he forgot to introduce himself as a board member of the NDA as well. (laughs) Oh, man. So, as you... (laughs) So... I brought these two gentlemen on, um, not just to recap the NBA championship that took place this past weekend, but essentially a totality of the season as a whole. And the fact that for the, for the American audience, this, is gonna, this isn't going to be um, anything new, but for the international audience, these two uh, have been in a meme war uh, for over a decade, essentially, between Grand Rapids and Columbus. So it's, it's good to have friendly rivalries as panelists. And we'll see how that plays out for this uh, for this episode as we talk about essentially a league that I'm going to be honest kind of came out of nowhere mm-hmm. and then has blown up from eight teams to thirty <laughs> by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely want to talk about how that has uh, exceeded their expectations if it met their expectations. But before we go into it, um, what what was the desire um, for essentially a professional NCDA version, at least as the way, the way it comes across to me, like this is a professional avenue for um, NCDA and, you know, players and teams like that to, to hop into. Yeah, that's a good question. And I mean, you basically summed it up. Really what we found was, a, you know, an area of opportunity was a lot of college players that weren't continuing, were not continuing to, um, be part of the dodgeball community post-college. Um, and a lot of that was due to there not being the format that they, you know, cut their teeth on and, and grew up playing in college. Um, so that's really one of the main reasons why we formed the NDA. We can get into other, uh, other reasons and sort of where we see it going in the future. But we, um, we started it because we knew that there was so much more potential that we just haven't been able to get um, from those college players and in, in the, um, I guess the conversion rate of college players post graduation continuing to be part of the dodgeball community and continuing to um, help out whether whether it's as a player captain whatever or even just continuing to stay connected and becoming casual fans of the sport of dodgeball as well. So, yeah, we have the entire generation of of lost ncda players um that just never made that transition to you know first it was um the uh, ndl and then elite Mm -hmm. and then usa we just there was just you know there's just a handful of us that made that transition and so it was it was just about time really because you know the current ncda population they are really really involved um, a lot of that just has to do with the amount of engagement that they have with each other on social media. And, you know, it's it's become in the college league almost just like a large friend group for a lot of people. And so they want to stay connected to the people they were in college with. And the way for them to do that is, you know, to continue playing. Um, you know, it's it's hard, as everyone knows, learning a new ball type and when you learn to have to learn a new ball type, whether it's, you know, foam cloth or no sting, it, 
you know, if you go if you go from being good at something for four years and then somebody puts something different in your hand and you're not having as much fun, you're less likely to stick around unless you're, you know, one of the psychopaths that used to do that. No problem. Um, and so it's just this this is a great way for us to be able to continue that that lineage and uh, those connections that these people are forming in college so they can continue to develop as you know, as friends and then, you know, as teammates and as competitive dodgeball players. I, there's something you said that really struck a chord with me. Um, you pretty much have like a friend group amongst yourselves and pretty much the only way to stay connected is to, is to play. Mm-hmm. Um, because earlier this year, I interviewed um, the women of the NCDA mm-hmm. and how they had their, you know, tournaments grow. And I interviewed the uh, NCDA national champions after a uh, perfect season in uh, Spartans, Michigan uh, State Spartans. And they hinted at that. There's something about mm-hmm. the college experience, as well as the format and ball type, that you want to stay connected to and continue on. And unfortunately, I guess up until this year, there wasn't a, a, an avenue, competitive avenue for that. So it's very consistent yeah, I mean- that I'm hearing that. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's not to take away from what what, you know, has been around for the last 10 years, because, you know, obviously there's there's always been dodgeball after college. It's just it's not that it's not as smooth of a transition. And Mm -hmm. so like when when elite in the in the north region existed, you know, the main ball type was the open 8.5 division with no pinching. And that is so hard to do after you spend, you know, four to six years pinching a ball and then all of a sudden someone just says no don't don't do that don't throw as hard it's just <laughs> it's a completely different play uh, play style as, as you know and so just by offering something that they're used to it just you know it keeps them around for sure um when you say like uh, a lot of adjustment the main adjustments i've noticed and this is just from my personal experience of people, you know, someone who's watched uh, some of these new teams come in and, and played against a few of them is the boundaries. Um, <laughs> the boundaries. I've oh. seen so many, I've seen so many teams that were otherwise supremely talented uh, step out on, 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 on like hard outs and, you know, stuff like that. But I'm sure like, obviously learning a new ball type, redefining your mechanics and understanding the meta of that format, it does take time to learn. So the fact that you guys develop this league is essentially like a, a smooth transition. You're just, you know, you're not playing for college anymore. You're playing for your hometown team or whatever team you're a part of, which is also something that really struck um, struck a chord with me, which is probably going to be something I'm going to say throughout the entire episode. Every team has a professional name. You know, we know where, you know, Grand Rapids Dynasty is. We know where Columbus Gamecocks is. We know, like, Detroit Omerta. I mean, Detroit's my hometown, but <laughs> like we know where these teams are from. I kind of, I, I want to ask, I feel like this was in part by design. Is, is that safe to assume? Um, when you, when you join as a team in the NDA, you do you have to represent a town or a particular uh, region? Yes, that's, uh, that it was definitely by design and that is a rule that we have. So, um, yeah, absolutely. By design, we think it it adds a level of professionalism, um, which I think that any upcoming sport, any fringe sport, sort of like dodgeball, kind of needs that to be able to 
you know, it's one of those things where like uh, the NFL doesn't, they have the luxury of not needing to convince anyone that they're a legitimate sport. Dodgeball's not in that spot. So this, that was one of the many things that was by design matching uniforms. All of that was another one. Ironic that I say that because actually in the finals, final justice had uh, two different sets of uniforms. I'm not trying to throw shade at them, <laughs> but I just, you know, uh, but yeah, like the, the, they all did have uniforms. That was just two mm -hmm. different sets because they had a couple subs and stuff like that. But anyway, that, that all was definitely by design and it's just all also adds sort of to the, um, to that overall thought process of trying to make the sport outgrow us, which is really our kind of our goal as the NDA anyway. So top of that, I didn't really, I didn't realize you're from Detroit. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been out in LA since uh, 2005. So okay, okay. But yeah, I mean, I mean, as far as regions, I play. I played in the West, but yeah, mm -hmm. where I'm from, I'm from Detroit. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, anything you'd like to add to that, uh, Felix? Because um, he he pretty much hit every nail on the head. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just um, you know the the hope is that you know we, we capture local attention as well because you know, it's, it's easier to get local sponsors for, you know, your jerseys and everything. If they know that you're representing your hometown, it's easier for, um, you know, you know, if uh, Grand Rapids Kraken, you know, they just won our national championships. If they wanted to contact the, whatever the newspaper is called in Grand Rapids and say like, Hey, you know, we won this tournament. They would write an article about that. It's like, Hey, hometown team wins national championship. But you know, if you don't have that name associated with it, it's just there's not as much of a connection, I guess, to the local community. And even though not all the players on all the teams live in the same area, there is still that that connection in some way or another. And so that's just that's another reason, you know, from my perspective, why we did it. It makes sense. Um, when, when I noticed that uh, two things came to mind. So back when we had UDC. I mean, in some way they had it where you rep, you know, you represented. Oh, this one came from uh, Chicago uh, Sky Zone. This one came from West Covina. This one came from Kalamazoo. You know, there was that in in there. I mean, yeah, there was that in there. But at the same time, another thing that kind of struck a chord with me um, in that sense was the uniform code. Everyone there looked, you know, clean, professional. Mm -hmm. um, stuff that I saw in England, uh, similar to what I see here. Like you guys had like. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if you guys could have had like warm up suits and stuff like that, you guys would have it. <laughs> if it was in your budget as a team across where you would have warm ups and all that, you guys had that. So the professional look, right, right yeah. down. The you guys, you guys knocked it out the park. And you know, we gotta we gotta hand it to our new teams especially because you know some of us were grandfathered in with our our existing uniforms that we used last year with USA Dodgeball or even you know years prior with Elite. But you know, with all the new teams that we had this year, every single one of them got jerseys made and very quickly. Um, so we had um, Cleveland Chaos. They showed up to the very first tournament with matching jerseys, never having played together before because they were just like, all right, this is, this is what we got to do. We want to look legit. Um, we had a free agent team at our women's division event and the free agent team, the, the Midwest merchant mercenaries, they got jerseys made in four days because they're like, yeah, we just want to look cool. <laughs> wow. Um, one, uh, that definitely tells me that even before you guys touch foot 
in the first round, the sense of professionalism and I guess you could say marketing standard was already established. But then another thing that kind of impresses me, actually more than impresses me, the fact that some jerseys, especially with uh, mercenaries, Midwest mercenaries, I should say, mm-hmm. they got a quick turnaround. They oh, were yeah. committed. I'm sure they had to pay extra for it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, they weren't, they weren't like, yeah, I mean, they were, you know, screen printed t-shirts from a local shop, but still like, I mean, that's, that's more than we expected, especially from a free agent team of, of women who had literally never met before all the women on that team signed up as free agents. And I don't, if I, if I remember correctly, I think maybe two of them knew each other, but had never played together before, but Mm -hmm. they all, you know, I was in a group chat with them, helping organize them. And um, and answering any questions they had because it was their first event. And they were just like, yeah. And I think there's there was an event recently in a, like a, just like a local community uh, dodgeball tournament, and three of them played together. Hmm. And they just like, they found camaraderie with this random free agent team. <laughs> that, that's, that's definitely a story I'd like to hear. Um, yeah. Any one of them uh, on that end, because I mean, a free agent team, Traditionally, whenever you see that, I mean, it's just like we're in for one day and out the next kind of thing. But right, right, it's like they developed a, a tight knit bond amongst themselves. Yeah, we can see in the, in the next year. Um, it's something I noticed in this uh, as I was taking notes throughout the season. So, needless to say, like going into the into the season, I obviously I only knew like a handful of teams: Grand Rapids Dynasty, Columbus Gamecocks. East Lansing, um, Final Justice, Grand Rapids Kraken, uh, just to name a few. So I guess in, in, a, in a sense, in the, do- in the dodgeball community sense, you would think, oh, new league, these four teams are just going to fight amongst themselves and win the title. But that's not exactly how it played out. When you have eight different events throughout the entire year, eight different champions, that speaks to a level mm-hmm. of one, competitive parity, Two, gives that sense of any given Sunday, anyone could take it. And three, you essentially have to be on your A game from round robin to finish. How did did that, looking back on that, before we even talk about the national event, um, how did that that feel as uh, competitors and board members seeing that parody play out the way it did? Yeah, that that was awesome. One, I I mean, the thing that you mentioned where you said, it could have been four or five teams battling it out. I mean, Felix will probably agree with me on this, but when we first launched this league back in April, um, our expectations weren't very much above that in terms of what year one will look like. We had our vision for the future and we were, we were dead set on that and we believed in that. But when it came to year one, we knew that we had those, you know, the teams that you mentioned, the dynasties, the Krakens, Final Justice, uh, Gamecocks, et cetera. Those are the teams that were established and and we expected that they would be at, at those sorts of events. What really blew us away was, like you said, that level of parity and some of those other teams rising and, and improving. Midwest Mutiny uh, is a team that was one of the younger teams uh, in USA Dodgeball last year, and they really stepped it up. They won an event. Um, that's just one of, of many, but to get mm-hmm. to where we had um we had 26 different teams that played in our main division um at at one point or another this season and 
I think 17 or 18 of those played in at least two events. So those would yeah, wasn't like it was a one-off thing. 19? Yeah, okay. 19, 19 played in at least two events. Yeah. Oh, wow. And and on top of that, I, I, I guess the way to describe it would be that those teams, we also had roster restrictions that really made it so – it wasn't like there was a bunch of free agent teams that could just bounce around and do, you know, that sort of thing. When you were on a team, you were sort of locked onto that team. If you were uh, labeled as a core player, if you're a free agent, then you had some minor restrictions as well, but mm-hmm. there's sorts of things that made it. So when we say 19 teams, there were 19 different teams. It wasn't like we were, you know, shuffling players onto more than one. So yeah, that, that blew us away with just how many teams and how, the level of, of dodgeball really ramped up this year um, for pitch mm-hmm. compared to what we've seen in the past. Nationals, well, it, good, but Nationals was the most loaded pinch tournament of all time. Easily. Yeah. And it was, it was crazy too, because, you know, even right out of the gates, our first event was on May 6th in East Lansing. Uh, we lost the deposit on a gym because we rented a gym with only two basketball courts thinking, you know, we're only going to have like, six, eight teams show up. And then we have 13 register for the very first event. So we had to find a bigger gym and it was like, this is an awesome problem to have. Like I'm okay with us losing a little bit of money because we have way more interest than we thought we were going to, especially right out the gate. Yeah. I, I mean, damn. Um, I, that I didn't even realize <laughs> you lost yeah. a deposit on your first gym. Yeah, we were, so we were originally going to do it in Grand Rapids, and then it had to move to East Lansing because that was the only place we could find a gym on such short notice. I think it was like it was like ten days before the event we had to move locations because of that. Yeah, it was it was short notice, and I just remember the heated uh, debates in the in the board chat about are we going to put a cap on on our first event on how many teams can even show up? Are we going to do that, yeah. or are we going to find a solution? And it it was a great problem to have, but. Um, it was a problem still. <laughs> and and I don't, and you know, some people remember this, most won't, but like when we announced the league, you know, there was obviously a little bit of shakeup and people are like, what, what the heck is this? And, um, you know, I, I probably misspoke in a comment and I said that, you know, this first event was, it was basically invite only. It wasn't really invite only, but we had kind of advertised it among the, you know, the pinch community. We didn't really like seek out, other teams that you know we could have possibly drawn in from like the east coast or the west coast we just really focused on the teams that we knew would who would enjoy pinch and you know we got a lot of a little bit of uh flack for that right right out the gate because they're like oh so this is a closed community um someone i forgot who it was said um so you announce you announce a league and then three weeks later you're having a tournament where nobody can like plan for it's like, well, you know, behind closed doors, we've been planning on this for a while. And the teams who knew about it, you know, they they had plenty of notice. It was just, you know, we weren't ready to make a public announcement just yet. And, you know, we had already, you know, lost our deposit, had to find a bigger gym. So there were a little bit of growing pains at the beginning. But, you know, we obviously, you know, we persevered. Oh, for sure. Um, I just remember the first time hearing about it. Um, I'd come back from Phoenix and um i just started seeing random teams posting nda 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 mm-hmm. I'm like what is this like what what's 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 going on here and then um yeah and then i, I think i think i heard something about it being invite only um and mm-hmm. by your own admission you said it was uh 
you, you, you misspoke on that. Yeah. But, you know, I would say credit to you now for, I, I guess, owning up to that, you know, retroactively. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that you lost your deposit on a gym, good problem to have, but again, a mm-hmm. problem to have. <laughs> and to, to kind of speak on the level of parity that kind of segued into this, let's list off the winners. Um, in order, in East Lansing, Grand Rapids Kraken, um, June 17th in Washington, D.C., uh, that would be in Midwest Mutiny, uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, which would have been on June 24th, Grand Rapids Dynasty, securing it in your home state. Um, July 22nd, Athens, Ohio. Um, who is this? Spartans? Or what's the team name? Um, yeah, where are they from? Cleveland Spartans. Cleveland Spartans. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cleveland's, I want to say, I want to say the whole name just to <laughs> respect it. You know what I mean? Uh, August 5th, and this was a women's nosting event, uh, Cleveland Comets. And it's definitely something interesting. We'll touch on that. Uh, August 12th in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, DMV Grizzlies. August, oh, there was two events in August 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, Platteville Pickaxers. Yeah. Yep. I, I hope I said that right. And the final event leading up to Nationals was in Toledo, Ohio on September 9th, won by East Lansing, Final Justice. So the level of parity is there. Um, the competitive depth is there. Now, I kind of want to talk about the Cleveland Comets because there was a post um, <laughs> that was that was uh, shared that there was a $1,000 bounty on whoever can beat this team in round robin. Was yeah. this a marketing ploy or? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we, we wanted to drum up interest uh, from you know, the, the growing women's division that's in the NCDA. So we wanted some of those, those women to come out and play. We also wanted to see if we could draw in some of the women's teams that, you know, historically compete in USA dodgeball. A couple of, of things happened. Uh, a, we didn't realize that um, August 5th was also the USA dodgeball premier tour uh, date in Philly. Um, after we figured that out, it was like, well, Maybe it'll be fine because, you know, Philly's pretty far away and maybe some of the, you know, the North women's teams won't be traveling and they want something, you know, closer to home. Um, And so we had three women's teams that had uh, registered. We had the Cleveland Comets, the Midwestern Martians and the Midwest um, Mercenaries. The Mercenaries were that free agent team I spoke about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had told them, it's like, look, hey, um, you know, we want this event to continue. We're invested in the Women's League. We want to show that we want to show the NCDA women that there is something for them after after graduation. So we are okay investing in this, but we are losing money on this event because, you know, only a few teams signed up and we had to, you know, rent the facility, get the insurance you know, all of, all of that. And so we were okay with that, but we told them, it's like, I, we just, we can't take a thousand dollar hit. Um, if the comets don't win and everyone was like, yeah, that's fine. That makes sense. So all the teams were okay with it. Um, we did ask beforehand because, you know, we didn't want to just say like, no, we're not doing it. We're just like, we hope you understand. Like we really can't take this hit right now. Cause you know, <laughs> It's pretty. It's a pretty big hit. It would be more than what we took in from the entry fees. Mm. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I still think it's a good idea. Um, I I love this but, idea. <laughs> but we will definitely 
we're going to do it differently next year if we do it at all. Uh, we just want to make sure that we are respecting all of the women's teams because all of them do work very hard. Um, and we just in like training and preparing for events. We just want to make sure that we're not disrespecting any of the teams um, just to bring in other teams. So um, I know there were a couple of um, hurt feelings about that, how we, you know, picked one team over another. And so we just want to make sure that we're respecting everyone. So this wasn't, was a learning... this wasn't their idea that they ran no. from you. Okay. No, okay. we, uh, we looked at the rosters and we determined that, you know, that team would, would probably be the hardest one to beat. And so we went with it. Um, we okayed it with them beforehand, but, okay. <laughs> but yeah, that was, it was, it was our idea, not theirs. Kevin. Yeah, no, that, that sums it up. We, we consulted with comments only. We didn't um, with other teams and we should have probably done that. But anyway, I mean, I'm excited to see where the, the women's division goes next year. I know Felix, you probably yeah. are, as well, but uh, for yeah, that definitely. to be so short notice and, and also with the USA round, it, it sort of made it so we didn't get as many, as much of a turnout as we could have, but I'm, I'm pumped to see where that goes. And I mean, the, college women's division is is growing pretty rapidly especially at a few mm. particular schools akron has i think 17 women now or, or michigan state has 17 women akron has over 12 so both of those schools alone can already field uh a couple uh rosters for women's mm -hmm. so i'm i'm so pumped to see as as they grow and develop and get to the point where they're playing outside of college as well um this NDA women's division is going to naturally grow as well. So that's exciting yeah. for, for the future for sure. Yeah. And our, our, our community kind of showed up too, because there were, you know, a decent amount of spectators who came from the men's teams who just popped in on that gym in, in Toledo just to watch the tournament. And it was great just seeing them like supporting the women's division. Also um, we had, uh, you know, Tony Stumpo and Wes Peters come up um to help run the event uh they're both board members and then um just members from other teams we had a few of the guys who are acting as photographers and and things like that we had somebody manning the the live stream so it was just it was good to see that yeah no for sure um and that's something that uh i gotta give you guys credit for it was i don't think maybe with one event the entire year you guys had a consistent live stream like throughout mm -hmm. the entire season and for this to be your inaugural season yeah you had a couple hiccups along the way it's actually really solid that at least on the streaming front it was very consistent high quality commentary essentially on every event it seemed like uh, i can't mm -hmm. recall an event where you guys didn't have any commentary um let's let's kind of shout them out who who was the mastermind behind the streaming the commentary and the logistics behind all that i don't know if it was one person in particular i think it's just that yeah. at the college level we've we've seen a lot of success with it and, and we've really grown in our um streaming capabilities and all that uh sort of thing so we we just knew this was a no-brainer we need to do this i think that it goes back again to the professionalism of the sport uh and that sort of thing um so we knew it was a no-brainer like you said mm -hmm. we definitely had some hiccups i think part of that is with this league with all of us being players as well as uh, board members, it, it's tough because we have to be able to juggle both those roles at, at once. And nationals was especially tough. Felix, I, I think 
put in 42 hours of work per 24 hours. I don't know how he did it, <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the live stream was definitely a, a key that we wanted to to do. And I think we fell short of expectations from a live stream stream standpoint this season, not counting nationals. And we can get into that, but uh huge shout out to dodgeball TV. Bill Fisher came, came down and uh, did an amazing job with that stream and on somewhat short notice and, I think that that's going to pay dividends in the, in the future for mm -hmm. us. The footage. Yeah, definitely. We had, um, yeah, Bill Fisher, he came down for nationals and then, uh, Shadid Drakeford, he, yeah. he did one of our East coast events as well. Um, outside of, of those two, you know, is, you know, somebody from the board with, uh, doing the, the live streaming from, from the others. Uh, we had mm -hmm. Eric Cavanaugh who plays for rubber city resistance out of Akron. He, uh, he also helped us out a bunch and Caleb Newell from the pick. He played for pickaxers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so like, yeah, we have the thing that I was trying to explain this to, to bill uh, this weekend. I said, you know, a lot of the reason I attribute our success is because, and we saw this with the North division in elite also, most since most of the players came from college, a lot of them were captains of their college team. In college, you have to plan out your own events. You have to plan out your own tournaments. You have to make schedules. You have to run the event day of, do all the cleanup afterwards, all of that. So it's it's something like 60 or 70% of the people that are in the gym on any given NDA event have run a tournament themselves before. So mm. everyone knows the expectation going in. Everyone knows how to participate, how to help out. It's not like you know showing up to a tournament and just a bunch of new people everyone has that experience from both the player side and the tournament you know organizer side and i think that alone just helps us out tremendously yeah um i i, I noticed well I, it didn't hit me until you you said that like none of you guys are rookies many of yeah. you guys have been in the game 10 years at minimum <laughs> you know a lot of you guys run your own events a lot of you guys you know, run your own practices. You guys have to rent out the, the equipment, rent out the nets and all that. So the level of expectation when you guys are working together, it's probably higher amongst yourselves than it is anywhere else. So, oh yeah, for sure. Um, but that's actually really interesting. I didn't realize that about the North um, and, and as well as the college scene where you kind of have to take ownership, so to speak, like mm -hmm. to that extent. Uh, so it's a uh, major kudos to to the North region, to you guys, or if you want to go further back, back when it was called the Midwest region. Yeah, I'm throwing it back. I'm throwing it back right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how far back I go. <laughs> Midwest Dodgeball Conference. <laughs> that was, I, I, was, was I was never a part of it, but I was aware of it. <laughs> yeah, those are the that was when uh, Glenn Spacer was still still pinching balls and uh having fun in chicago <laughs> for sure and now he's in uh, los angeles so heading into nationals what were the biggest hurdles as board members you felt and it's just you know individually obviously that you felt needed to go right oh man that's a tough question <laughs> um i i don't know it's it's tough we we mess around with a lot of different different ideas in terms of the format and how we would mm -hmm. set it up to make sure that the teams that didn't move up into the top bracket were were playing consolation 
I think I hear Felix's baby. Otherwise, he's oh. just yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're you're good. Well, yeah. um, okay, so let's the start. Format. Yeah, and and making sure that the teams that I mean, the, one of the biggest keys here. We're in our first season. We want to make sure that those teams that aren't competing for the title on on Sunday of nationals, they're still getting their dodgeball fix and they're getting enough dodgeball and, and they feel it's worth it and they're wanting to come back. And I think that we hit a home run from that standpoint in terms of the amount of dodgeball played for those teams that after the first round of pool play were eliminated from contention for a title. They still got a lot of competition. They were battling it out for for placements. And um, I watched a few of those those games for day two for them and they were going all out still. Uh, mm-hmm. It was awesome to see. And I, I think I haven't heard any teams that are, are turned off by it or don't want to come back. It seems like a lot of excitement. People are talking about the next season already, that sort of thing. Even the teams that weren't, you know, in that title hunt come Sunday afternoon. So I think that yeah. was one of the biggest ones for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I talked to um, Baltimore Precision mm-hmm. after the event because, you know, I messaged – uh, Marcus Akil and, and Jeremy Meadows. And I was just, you know, I was like, I'm really interested in your perspective because mm-hmm. you guys were one of the few teams, or I think they're actually the only team that didn't come up through college that was at the event. And, you know, they have on their, their roster, they have uh, Triana and, and Rennie who did come up through the college league, but most of their, most of their roster did not. And so I was just curious as like, how did, how did you think this event went? Do you like the larger court pinch style? And I was really interested in their feedback. Um, they said, you know, they had a great time. They thought it run really smoothly. They played the perfect amount of dodgeball to where like they got enough reps in, but at the same time, they, they weren't dead on Monday. Um, and so they, they're excited for next season. They're already thinking about recruiting and trying to get people, onto the team and, and figure out uh, practice times with um, Virginia Venom, who's, you know, close by, which is pretty cool. Those, those are two of the most fun teams to watch as well. Got to say that. So I'm, I'm pumped oh, yeah. for next season. I think they're both going to be improved. And Venom was a point away from making the top eight, which would have been the Cinderella story, kind of the the headline of the mm-hmm. event. So that was awesome. So um, you said that the teams you were excited for next year was uh, Baltimore Precision and Virginia Venom. Yeah, among others, but yes, yeah, among others, yes. Um, that's very that's very solid because um, the way you describe them, and I, and I don't know if you guys watch college sports at all because um, there is other college sports. Uh, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of um, there was this team um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Oh man! Oh, there was a Cinderella team that made it to the finals two years in a row, and each Butler. time, which one was it? Butler. Butler, yes. Back to back championship appearances mm-hmm. out of nowhere in mind That kind of you kind of gave that uh, impression about Virginia Venom making it to the top eight like that. So it kind of it creates more anticipation. I'm trying to make a sports. Run. Who was it? Butler. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. But I also love the fact that, from what I understand from Felix, um, you're very feedback-driven. More than driven oh, yeah. to make this league what it is and what it can be and what it will be long after all of us are gone, you accept the feedback and you mm-hmm. implement it in the best possible way. That's very, uh, very telling. That's very telling. Yeah. 
And, we, you know, we had talked about this on, um, on other podcasts before, you know, one of the, we've been planning this type of league since 2018. Is it Kevin? Like we started hosting like one-off events um, and changing the rule set every single time. I think before the launch of the NDA from when, you know, we started like sitting down and writing all this out, I think we had hosted something like 14 like test tournaments and we had changed the rule set every single time, just slightly based off of feedback we got because we want the best product. We don't want to just say like, well, this is how dodgeball is. So everyone deal with it. So like my big thing is get the players feedback and get outsiders feedback. So I always try to ask spectators too, like, what do you think? Because they don't know what's going on. They don't know the history, but if they're like, this doesn't make any sense, then it's something, you know, to take into consideration. It's like, okay, how can we clear that up? How can we make, you know, this rule make a little bit more sense to, just the common person who isn't used to the form of dodgeball that we're playing. I actually did not know that you guys had like four, you had 14 tester events. Yeah. Like, so we, um, we hosted a few uh, through the NCDA during their, their summer um, with the leadership conferences that the NCDA host. And then um, during the pandemic, we hosted five or six tournaments. Yeah. Uh, they were all smaller and then um, USA Dodgeball, I was still on the board for USA um, the first year after the pandemic ended. And Jake just like, yeah, do whatever you want with Pinch because you guys love it. I don't uh, care about it. So, like, make it make it your own because the happier you guys are, the happier, you know, I'll be. So, um, so we had free reign to use that. And every single – and every single USA round, not last year, but the year before it all had different rule sets for pinch slight changes. Yeah. 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 Not completely separate, but it was just like, you know, we changed the court size so many times. It was all just refining and, and we did yeah. not expect that it would take that long to refine the rule set. I mean, we all, we all, we all had those theories of what, will work and what won't work we knew that it needed to be bigger than what um the six on six on the volleyball court size that was not going to work for ncda players and i mean it wasn't going to work in general we'd love the bigger neutral zone and that sort of thing there's so many other changes that the, the uh timing mechanics all of that um the throw count being mm -hmm. not burden ball but rather being a consistent shot clock like the ncda we really it was a hybrid format between the NCDA and, and sort of what elite pinch used to be or USA dodgeball pinch was, or yeah. USA dodgeball was the hybrid by that year because we got the, the green light to do that. So then yeah. it was super helpful to be able to refine that, that over time. And I mean, we'll get to I, nationals, but I think that it paid off. With the yeah. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't change any rules this year. We had our set rule book. Uh, everything worked out great. Um, we even tried like some stupid rules. I think the first tournament we hosted in like 2018, we, <laughs> do you remember the opening rush at the leadership yeah, tournament? Yeah. yeah, yeah we, uh, we all made fun of you for yeah. it, but yeah, I, I just wanted to try something different. So we had all the players start off on the half, on the half court line and they rush out to where the balls were on the baseline. And like, 
I don't know why, but it was like, look, nobody's ever done this before. Let's just try something. It, it's probably going to be stupid, but maybe not. And it was stupid. It was real dumb. <laughs> okay, I'm, just, kind of, I'm, yeah, I'm it, illustrating this for the people at home because obviously this is an audio thing. So as Felix is describing it, I'm literally like making movements with my fingers. Like how? Okay, so instead of going from outward in, you're starting inward out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it was fun because at the beginning of each point, you're, like, back-to-back with your opponent. And so, like, you know, at that tournament, you know, everyone's kind of just joking around, having a good time. And so it was just kind of fun to be able to, like, you know, talk smack to your opponent, like, right at the beginning of the point. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured, like, okay, that that, that would be the, the major uh... – take away from that just the ability yeah. to, to do that because in my head i'm just it's almost like i'm i'm like watching a dodgeball film or watching a dodgeball tape but in reverse yeah yeah, yeah. this is how it's played out in my mind yeah my my thought was you know I, I was playing this out for our team i was like okay someone rush to the ball on the outside and throw it to me at half court and then i could just immediately like turn and fire that way you know i have a little bit of you know, ground that I've already covered, but uh, it never worked. I mean, it was it was fine. <laughs> it was stupid. I still get made fun of for it, but I don't regret it. <laughs> Those were I dark mean, days. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it dark days, but it's definitely days to look back and laugh at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I guess it's one of those I had to be there to really see the the reaction on people's faces. Because for me, I'm just like. Wait, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, everyone was like that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, we all make mistakes. Um, so let okay. So throughout the episode, you guys have given your perspectives as board members, um, but let's talk about your perspective as players. So I noticed that this was a two-day event, and you guys were in. Um, actually, you guys were in the same group. So in Group B, mm-hmm. we have Grand Rapids Dynasty, Columbus Gamecocks, Bowling Green Frostbite, Platteville Pickaxers, which was a, a winner uh, in one of the previous rounds, and Cleveland Chaos. So as players, and we can start with you, Kevin, how did, how did you feel about this group shaping up the way it did, and how confident were you in uh, securing the dub? Yeah, I mean, so we knew going in, so the format was the top two teams get an auto bid onto the next round of pool play, which would be eight teams total in two pools. Um, so to stay alive in the um, championship march, you kind of had to either get top two or if you got third place, then you went into a, sort of a tiebreak, sudden death sort of situation that you don't want to be in. So we went into it knowing we wanted to get top two. Um, we'd seen a lot of those teams throughout the season prior uh frostbite had really impressed me in kalamazoo uh they didn't have their full roster on day one so we got i guess fortunate from that regard in in terms of we weren't playing their full roster they had a few people that had to come in day two um so that helped with us getting that win and then gamecocks is always a great match being a a little bit of a rivalry as you had mentioned earlier um but yeah i we, we were pretty confident in that, and we knew that that was only step one towards getting to the title, which um, made it kind of an interesting and, and exciting uh, tournament as a whole. But What about you, uh, Felix? How did you feel going into this group and uh, 
kind of hinting at it. You guys are rivals in the same group. Yeah. Um, it was fun. Um, you know, we knew that, you know, dynasty and Bowling Green would be our biggest competitors. Um, unfortunately Gamecocks, we fell to both of those teams. Um, we, it was, it was so unfortunate because we got down to a, uh, a three V one situation against, um, frostbite and we had three they had one their player was backpedaling stepped out of bounds didn't realize it himself the referees didn't realize it and that would have tied the game two to two um with like a minute left but instead he made a catch brought one of his teammates back in and they were able to um just hold out and they won the game uh two to one. And so it was, it was kind of unfortunate because we saw that as something that we should have won, but you know, it's just the nature of the game. Refs can't see everything. I don't blame that player at all. He genuinely did not realize that he went out of bounds until like he watched the film that night and came back the next day. I was like, I had no clue. (laughs) Um, And he's an honest player too. I've never would have doubted him. Um, But, you know, so we lost to both dynasty and frostbite. So we knew we had to win against chaos and pickaxers in order to stand a chance. We actually ended up tying pickaxers. And so that last round was pretty stressful for us because we were off the last round. So we had to, we were banking on both pickaxers and chaos losing. So we could get a chance to play in that, that third place um, sudden death event um and thankfully you know we were able to do that and then we went two and oh beating kraken and um venom in the the third place showdown so we got the the seventh seed in the uh championship brackets or the championship pool plays which was pretty cool we were pretty excited about that nice um so pick actors were the uh winners of I guess one of the two events you guys had um, mm-hmm. in, on August 12th. How did it feel to tie one of the eight um, inaugural winners of the event uh, of the season? Um, it was good. Um, you know, I, I would have preferred to have beaten them. We it was the first time we hadn't beaten them all season, uh, so you know we were really hoping it was just gonna you know repeat. But they <laughs> they came out swinging uh, and. You know, we, you kind of go in with that mentality sometimes of, okay, we just have to, you know, show up and win, but they, they wanted it more and we had to, we had to work really hard for it. And it's just, you know, it's just a reminder that, you know, in a league with so much parody, you can't take anybody lightly. That's definitely something we touched on uh, earlier. Um, You know, what my initial perception was, and I guess what the initial community would have thought maybe X amount of teams you know, would have been fighting for the top any given Sunday kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like you got to be ready to get your A game on from start to finish. Um, But we go into day two and the championship pool goes as follows. Um, Championship pool A, Grand Rapids Dynasty, Detroit Omerta, Columbus Gamecocks, Cleveland Spartans. And in group B, we have Midwest Mutiny, Bowling Green uh, Frostbite, East Lansing, Vinyl Justice, and Grand Rapids Kraken. In a league with a lot of parity, which historically led up to this moment, 
which ideal, uh, which group would you say would be the group of death and why? It's, uh, you know, actually it was, uh, the first round of pools is where we had a pool of death. We had final justice, Grand Rapids Kraken, and then also Detroit Omerita all in one pool and Omerita hadn't won a tournament yet. The year they didn't win a tournament all year, but they were, I mean, ask anyone, they're one of the most talented teams, one of the toughest teams to play. So those three all being in the same pool, the result of it was Kraken falling to that, you know, the play-in game, sort of the tie-break three-team three uh, thing, and they were able to move on. Um, but f- with Final Justice and Omerita above them. So that was the pool of death, was the first uh, set. The first, the first, and, uh, first group from the previous day? The, yeah, the, from the yeah. previous set. And then in the second round, I think it was pretty balanced. Uh, all eight of those teams are, were great. We're championship caliber teams, so – yeah i'm back (laughs) yeah you both agree with that um well i actually had i I didn't think about this before because initially my and this is based on research my initial thought was actually group b and the reason being is uh i want to say three of the four teams that made it in championship group b were of the eight original winners but there was more teams in the first group that you mentioned Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty much a dogfight just to get out of. And you said Kraken was in a position where they had to be in that third place to fight back. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, spoiler alert, but I think that our postseason power rankings it will go Kraken, Final Justice, Omerta as the top three. So in all three of those mm-hmm. teams, the same nationals pool for set one of it, which <laughs> is crazy. Um, uh, that's a nice little spoiler. We have a little preview there. <laughs> I didn't yeah. expect, um, but you, you kind of see where I'm coming from, where I thought my initial idea was a group mm-hmm. of death being that one group had, you know, definitely had some finalists and the other group had three of the four make it that that's where I was going with it. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I does my research people that <laughs> <laughs> does my research. So you got before we talk about the championship game which was a dog fight let's just be honest and we hinted at it before you guys have been rivals for nearly a decade grand rapids cleveland or sorry columbus you guys have been kind of quiet on the meme front for a new league i feel like for a new league you want to generate some kind of interest and get some kind of attention and develop some kind of story and develop some kind of narrative (laughs) I might, have to, <laughs> might have to fire those back up here soon. Yeah, we well, um, it, it's it's been it's been tough because you know we it it started off because Dynasty used to just used to just like run us into the ground and like open and and pinch and like we just didn't stand a chance. We knew going into every game that we were going to lose. And so <laughs> our way of firing back was just like, all right, we'll just make stupid pictures of them <laughs> and like just have some fun. Uh and then, you know, and I had I had been working with the guys on Dynasty for years on like the NCDA board. So like we were always, you know, friends or friendly or however oh, you want to put it. Kevin yeah. Kevin won't ever admit that he loves me, but he does. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kevin is cringing on the screen right now, people. Yeah, you can edit that part out. (laughs) 
And so like, I don't know, this year, this year we've been just busy and really focused on, you know, trying to get the league and its professional image. Um, we do still have some fun at each other's expense in our group chats and then in our discord channel, uh, for the NDA, <laughs> but it's, it's not as public as it used to be. Um, but it's the, it's still there. It's still it's there. still there. Yeah. Okay. We, um, <laughs> I, I had a, I had a, my first child in, in July and during oh, my wow. sleepless night, during my sleepless nights, uh, I was making stupid, uh, stupid images for all of the teams. Um, I, I don't think you're a part of the NBA discord channel, Sergio, uh, but we, we had, we took headshots of every single player that played in the NBA this year. So we can use it for promotional material. So of course um, I made mashups of all of the players. Um, so if like there was a default dynasty player this is what he would look like it would have you know like kevin's smile and dylan's eyes and colin's hairs and kenny's nose and all these things and you know they look terrible but you know that's fun to do we so we still do fun stuff like that it's just it's just not on facebook as much fair enough um the reason i, I attempted point, oh go for it i attempted the all-time meme by offering felix a bunch of money for him to name his child uh kevin but that never yeah came to- <laughs> <laughs> i'm still trying still i said trying. that you know if it's if if uh if my kid was a boy i was gonna name her i was gonna name him kevin and then if it was a girl i was gonna name her bailey but uh <laughs> the, the wife wasn't going for that <laughs> she doesn't subscribe to the rivalry like that nah. Nah. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. But um, the reason that kind of caught my attention, because obviously I've been, you know, we've all been in the game long enough and it's often been like a staple between every North round, what memes are going to fly back and forth or what videos or what gags are going to be around. Like, I still remember the condoms of 2018. Um, I found some in my back pocket for no reason. (laughs) I'm not on any one of you guys' teams and somehow I found them in my pocket. So Mm -hmm. Kudos to you guys, but uh, I also think of it like because I watch professional wrestling. Sometimes you kind of want to have that story lead to a match, and mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? Because like Kevin Bailey says, you know, the NFL doesn't need to convince anyone to watch it. There's a it's a hundred years old at this point, and it's been established long before any one of us were born. Um, so I just thought maybe from a marketing perspective, kind of pushing the the history of this rivalry. Yeah. However one sided it may have been. That's a good way to look at it. And we could probably do it in a more uh professional way. Professional way. Having, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rather than having like, you know, memes that just like compare I forgot. You know, I, there's just been so many, but uh, there's Same. one that sticks out to me. You know, a, a a stick character stepping in a pile of dog poop and then it looks on the bottom <laughs> of his on his shoe and it's just a dynasty logo. Like that doesn't <laughs> need to happen, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, you, you guys as teams, I mean, other than, you know, having a collective rivalry, there is that bond that is present with you guys. It's not a blood feud per se. It's more of a, you know, I'm going to make fun of this team. They're going to hit us back with this team and then, you know, hit us back with this meme and then kind of thing. So I kind of want to illustrate that for the people at home. Mm-hmm. So for the international audience who may not know how deep this rivalry goes on a humorous front, not yeah, vicious yeah. front. Um, but also something that uh, I kind of wanted to touch on before we talk about the championship game. Um, you, uh, Kevin Bailey, you um, 
you I want to say this was six years ago at a sky zone you had given your jersey to a fan do you remember that oh yeah so yeah we we made a, a whole new jersey actually um yeah you made you made a whole new jersey awesome. for this yeah. kid um yep. touch on how awesome that was i know it has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about in the finals but just i want to kind of touch on that because i don't feel like people really know about that considering that we've been in the pandemic for the past two years and stuff like that and we're barely coming out of it right yeah moved. his so his name's noah um he actually I, I know that he's he's in high school now and uh my mom keeps in touch with his mom and like they they give us updates and all that and he's gotten he's, he's not a little kid anymore and <laughs> hopes that we I, I mean i hope he goes to grand valley so the, so he became a fan through uh sky zone and then he he came and watched uh collegiate events that grand valley state the team that i was on and and dynasty members were on at the time uh participated in so he lives in lansing michigan and he would come to like the michigan dodgeball cup which was right there in east lansing uh every year anytime that there was a event there and he uh anyway we make jokes that he's going to be a future captain for grand valley at some point and and be a, a dodgeball player as well and i i hope he does but anyway yeah he he just uh they reached out and they asked if they could come watch and, or yeah, they came to the sky zone. And then from there we realized he was a huge fan and we took pictures with him and stuff. And we were like, Hey, we may as well just give him a Jersey. We're getting new jerseys here. We may as well get one. And I'm sure he's outgrown it now, Uh, (laughs) but that was really awesome. And I think I can't wait for a future in dodgeball where that is not, a thing that we have to talk about on this podcast because it's so uh, rare and yeah. I want that to become the norm and I'm excited for that sort of future for the sport. No, for sure. I mean, if, if anything, I, I, I kind of want to tie it to the history of your team, mm-hmm. the level of professionalism that you've had even before this league even began. Um, and it, I guess during that time, you also had tester, uh, the, uh, tournaments and stuff and modified your rules out you know to what they are now so it kind of speaks to the history of um just how do i say being just a good role model and treating your fans well because not only do you have you know you your uniform code your you know every team representing their hometown you guys have this sense of community within i guess east lansing and uh, grand valley and you know yeah. kind of inspires that for the next generation of NDA players to right just yeah. in, in general to, to go after. So I kind of wanted to touch on that um, because it was just like, wait a minute, he, he did something really cool a couple of years ago. And I want to bring this up. It wasn't just me. It was definitely the whole team. But it's well, the whole team. Yeah. But you, yeah. you're on here for now. So exactly. Um, so the finals was Grand Rapids, Kraken and East Lansing final justice. Hmm. And it went to an overtime dogfight essentially the battle of michigan in the championship game right what was what was your like you obviously you guys are not in it um you guys are viewers at this point how did that championship look to you as a spectator yeah that's a great question (laughs) as a player that was on a team that was aspiring to get there it was annoying that we weren't Uh, (laughs) as a spectator it was awesome and i we can get into this but i'd argue it's one of the best dodgeball games that has ever happened 
I truly would. Um, and then as a person that's been, um, you know, working behind the scenes for years along with Felix to get this uh, sport to where we want it to be. And also as a board member for the NDA, the semis as well as the finals were an absolute dream. Um, and with, with us getting the footage with uh, Dodgeball TV there, uh, those broadcasts are going to be awesome to be able to promote the sport. Um, yeah, it was as, and we mentioned this, I, I was commentating with Dan Fernald, a member from, uh, DMV Grizzlies, and he also plays USA. Uh, so a lot of people probably know him. Um, we were chatting after the game on, on the broadcast that that was about as good of a finals as you could have scripted. It was a back and forth match. No team won two points in a row until overtime when Kraken got their second point in a row to win the game. Um, it was crazy. The amount of, the amount of talent on the, on the court during that game, the excitement level, how fast paced it was the entire time. Um, all of those things combined. Uh, and then on top of that, you have the storylines of um, some of those players from East Lansing final justice were also players on Michigan state. And then on the other side, Kraken that some of those players went to grand Valley state and those teams matched up back in April for a national title uh, in college. So there's yeah. sort of, rivalry as well um there's so many different storylines and those are the things that within the community we know within the nda community but like you said with the storytelling getting more people to understand that they would they would have they would have understood more of the weight to that game um and yeah obviously being able to call yourselves the first ever nda national champions is is also huge too so it was it was as good of a game as as we could have scripted yeah, man. Um, before we yeah. go to Felix, like I look into this and I think like, yeah, a couple, of, you know, a couple of them started, you know, went and I did a recap with the with the Michigan uh, Spartans earlier this year and talking about that and not having realized it. But yeah, like there were a couple of players on, you know, Grant, uh, on Krakens that were, you know, that eventually fell to them in the college scene. But yep. it, it, to kind of give you an idea, I was at work watching this. Uh, I didn't get to watch too much of day one, but day two, I was like, I don't want nobody to talk to me. I'm pulling rank. I'm the supervisor for the night. This is a night shift. Don't talk to me unless I absolutely had to had to be there. And I had the TVs uh, on showing it. And the customers, and I'm just going to say that the customers in the store were intrigued. My coworkers were intrigued, distracted, but intrigued. I was at the edge of my seat because... I mean, I got friends on both these teams. I got friends in most of this league here. And I'm just like, wow. They, they, and when you said this is arguably the best dodgeball game ever, I would um, I would say that. And there was another, um, I want to say, was this 2014 or 2015 when it was Grand Rapids versus Chicago Task Force in the champ uh, championship pinch I don't know what year it was, but those two games were like right there as far as like the greatest games I've ever witnessed. Um, and then if you want to talk about other sports references, I bring it up. Um, I don't know if you guys watch UFC, Stefan Bonner versus uh, uh, Forrest Griffin, the Ultimate Fighter one finale. <laughs> like that was a fight. Yeah, that was a car. Um, <laughs> that, that was a fight that I still look back on as one of my top three favorite fights of all time. And every time I look at it, anyone who asks me about, you know, mixed martial arts, I always point. Those are one of the three fights I point them to. 
So that's a pretty pretty solid comparison that uh, you say this is one of the greatest games you've ever witnessed. And uh, now we could transition to, to Felix as a spectator and as a competitor who wished to be on that uh, stage. Like, how did that feel for you watching that unfold in front of you? Yeah, so I, um, you know, I'm I'm one of the tournament organizers and I didn't have anything to do uh, in an official capacity. I, I don't referee hardly anymore. And uh, I was not asked to commentate because that was covered by uh, Kevin and Dan, which they did a fantastic job. So I was actually cleaning up the gym <laughs> during the finals. Um, and then, you know, I was, I had, I had Twitch uh, pulled up on my phone. I was checking up on the score. And when it got down to the last, the last point, I was like, okay, I got to go over. I'll stop cleaning. I'll just wait. <laughs> and um, the, the final point was absolutely incredible. And then overtime was exactly it wasn't like, you know, a Disney movie or whatever, but it was like, like Kevin said, like you couldn't script it any better. Like yeah. Kraken got down to, you know, I think it was one player is, was Aaron Craft yep. the last one in and then, he come, and then he comes up with an insane catch, keeping his like big toe just inside the court uh, that happened right in front of me. It was, I don't know, it was electrifying. And then, <laughs> you know, and then they were able to come back and they got the two kills almost simultaneously on two completely separate plays. Um, just a, a boom, boom knockout. And it was, it was really exciting. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, Sergio, like I got friends on both teams. So I was happy for, you know, the winners uh, felt bad for, for those mm -hmm. that fell short. Uh, but I don't know. It was just, it was just cool looking at it too, because it wasn't like the pinch finals at, you know, at nationals last year for USA or, you know, years past at elite because a lot of teams stuck around. Uh, we had bleachers that were, they weren't full, but you know, they were, you know, 70, 80% capacity. People were standing um, all around the court watching uh, some of the cleaning staff at the facility. They were invested. Uh, she was like, one of the women was like, I haven't done any work all day. I've just been watching you guys. <laughs> and so like, She's like, this is a lot of fun. Um, and so, like, you know, I was just kind of taking in the entire experience. So, like, looking at it, it's like, all right, this is going into overtime. We've got this, like, professional broadcast uh, set up that Bill Fisher had flown out from Seattle. We've got NDA logos on the court. Um, we've got, you know, as close to a professional commentating staff as, as we could hope for right now. And and we have fans that are just like completely invested and people are standing up on the bleachers. And there at one point there was like, people were doing the wave and it was just like, this is, this is what we want. We want this to be a community event and people to feel like pure, genuine joy when one team wins. And that's what we got. Oh, you done more than that you knocked it out the park i mean when yeah. you when you talked about how you said the cleaning crew was not getting any work done it kind of reminded me of <laughs> my the night shift at my job yeah. not any work done because i'm putting it on all the screens and i'm like okay i know that player i interviewed that player he was a part of the perfect team from michigan at uh, michigan state <laughs> you know like like it, yeah i was kind of like relaying that to some of the co-workers and some of our regulars and i was just like wow like it's very, it, and it, it's really cool you, that you mentioned that because I also noticed that on on the stream too. There were fans there 
you know, whether they were other players or, you know, families that showed up to support their team, you know, their, their son or whatever, like there was actually, I mean, yeah, 70, 80%. I mean, on, on stream, it looked like a hundred to me, but yeah, it looked like you yeah, we had, them. we had people come in just to watch like the entire weekend. So like, for example, uh, Layla Van Pelt who played at Kent state, um, from like 2011 to 2015, I think, um, she just she just decided to drive down from where she lives up near Akron, so like a three and a half four hour drive, just to come watch because she was like, "This is what I wanted the college league to always be," and it's so like she had no stake in the game. It wasn't like you know she's dating anybody on any of the teams or like she's just like this is fun dodgeball. I just want to come watch, and she's obviously friends with a bunch of us, but like she didn't have to do that. And like, we appreciate that. I mean, the fact that you had an OG drive down however, however many miles just to watch essentially the yeah. new generation. Got two, uh, two nights of a hotel, like yeah. put up some money to watch. <laughs> and, and we definitely see that a lot with college because mm-hmm. you only have a finite amount of time that you get to play and you're still potentially in the community. I mean, like Felix and I, we've been all the, all the nationals since we've graduated. That's because we're either as a staff or whatever, but for NDA, it's, it's tough because anyone that's in the community for us is playing at that event. So mm-hmm. for us to get those other people that might not still be competing um, to be like, Hey, I, I want to come watch at least that. I think that there's gonna be more of that in the future, but that was, that was really cool as well. Yeah. And so Felix is like, soak it in moment. That was cool to hear. My soak it in moment was in the semis, actually. I I didn't have to commentate. I like commentating. It's not that I had to do it. I didn't commentate that round. I got other people to do it. I was pumped to see other people get to do it. Uh, shout out to uh, Terrence Checkett, a player for Ohio um, in college still. And then Catherine Mays, she's also uh, she's a grad student at Cleveland State. Um, yep. But they commentated that the epic semifinal game, Omerta against uh, Final Justice. Um, but I was going back and forth, just trying to catch clips on my on my phone, and just seeing the fans. And then I would go to one court and I'd hear a roar from the fans on the other court, and I would run over there to see. And it was just one of those, look at this thing that kind of we didn't we didn't come up with that out of nowhere back in April. But the fact that this didn't exist in anyone else's mind besides our, our small group behind the scenes until April. And now here we are and all these people are getting this much joy out of it. And it's, it's setting a foundation for the future of dodgeball is another thing that we, you know, we hammer home all the time and all of that just, it was, it was an awesome weekend that definitely exceeded my expectations. I think exceeded all of our expectations on the board for what we expected out of this league in, in year one. So it was really cool. If anything, I would say you guys had a hell of a debut season. Like you guys essentially, I mean, I could say you came out of nowhere, but that's only because I wasn't behind the scenes when you guys did these uh, tournaments in the past. But you guys pretty much hit the ground running on all fronts, professionalism, uh, marketing, um, streaming, especially for sure. Um, the logos on the floor, uh, Felix mentioned that, like you guys had logos, the NDA logo on the floor. And like, how many times do you see a college basketball game or an NBA game? Or, you know, how many times do you see that and you see the home team logo 
on on the floor like it's just it's just a beautiful beautiful presentation that you guys have as well as the the, the fact that you're running around between bleachers capturing fans that was awesome so i want to talk about the banquet um what awards were handed out and let's shout out who the winners were and and uh yeah, yeah then we'll go into a really heartwarming thing i read uh, yesterday okay i'll take this part so that felix can go into for sure spot probably yeah so we um we just handed out three awards there i'll say we we kind of it was late notice in terms of that with us planning that sort of thing. So we didn't hand out physical awards and I'll right. say that that was a, a miss by us. We'll need to do that in the future, but yeah. So at the banquet, we, we had some announcements. We, we talked about how many, you know, our first season and thanking everyone and all of that, because we really, I mean, one thing I mentioned, I think was we literally wouldn't have been where we were without everyone else. And that's because we wouldn't have been, been able to afford that facility, which was a fantastic facility. Um, and they treated us really well, but we truly wouldn't even have been able to be there physically without all those people, because we were at a, had so many teams that, you know, were able to compete, but the three awards we had, um, first one we gave out was the spirit of the game. And that one went to Cleveland chaos, a team that, uh, Felix had mentioned earlier. So a bunch of players that were new uh, to the semi-pro format. They didn't really play USA besides, I think maybe one or two of them might've dabbled in it, but it was it was really a team of, of somewhat new people. And they all came together. And, and like Felix had mentioned, they had jerseys for, from day one. Um, when, when we talk about the professionalism of the sport and all of that, um, they, they really bought into all of that. And on top of that, um, we had mentioned how there was two tournaments on August 12th. Uh, the one in Platteville on August 12th was the only event that they did not attend. So they attended an event every single time that there was an event to attend every single day during the, the wow. season, there was an event to attend. So that was an incredible accomplishment. They weren't one of the best teams. They were, in fact, they were one of the lower ranked teams, but they were also one of the most improved throughout the year. And by the end of the year, they're given some of the better teams in the league fits. I can tell you that much. So um, and on top of that, they had uh, some people, part of their team, Chris Haas, definitely needs to get shouted out for uh, doing photography for, photography for the league um, all year long and doing a great job with that. And that's been immensely helpful with, like you said, the marketing side of it. So anyway, they were, they were very deserving of, of getting that Spirit of the Game Award just because they kind of embody everything that we hoped that this league would be with a bunch of college kids forming a team together and, and, you know, buying into everything that, that we believed in our vision. So yeah, I was really happy with, with their season. The next award we gave out was, uh, I'm trying to think of exactly what the word, what, what was it? Was it growth of the sport? I think that that's the right term. We kind of threw out a bunch of different ones, but growth of the sport <laughs> is what we called it. Um, could have called it a number of different things, but that one went to Midwest mutiny the reason why is um, a number of reasons. One, they were also a team that did a lot of traveling. They went out to the first East Coast tournament that we held. Uh, they actually won that event. But also their social media, their the way that they promoted themselves, they would post um, their roster, uh, like a roster graphic before every single tournament. They were posting highlight reels of, of their uh, games and stuff like that. And just the way that they um, sort of amped up the uh, – 
the professionalism of the sport and, and sort of the way that teams should be promoting themselves. That's really what we're looking for in the future. And they were, they did a fantastic job at that. On top of that, Catherine Mays, we mentioned earlier, um, she also helped out quite a lot with the women's event that we ran and, and formed a team with that too. So she kind of double dipped by being on Cleveland Comets and also Midwest Mutiny, but she, uh, she did a lot for that too. So all in all growth of the sport was an easy choice to give to them. And then very last award we gave to Baltimore Precision in that I also forget the exact title of it. I think it was like the, not the crossover. Crossover. So we a crossover award and we gave it to a team that that wasn't their main format. Like we talked about, they weren't, they didn't come up in college like a lot of the other teams, all of the other teams. So they were sort of a team that was used to other formats, but they bought into this one and they absolutely loved it. And we absolutely love having them around. And, and I, like I said, one of the most exciting teams to watch. So I'm pumped to have them and they were very deserving of that award. So. Yeah, I'm both pumped to have them and also terrified because I hate playing against Jeremy Meadows <laughs> oh, and yeah. Akil and Marcus. Like Akil is just like he's just so impossible to hit. I don't Dude. know how Dude. anybody can have a 60 inch vertical, but he does. <laughs> he does. Uh, yeah, Akil is Neo, and we're all living in the Matrix, as far as I'm concerned. That man can dodge everything a hundred times over. Like every precision game I've ever seen it always turns into him being the last person in and you're having to mm-hmm. throw six balls at him and it's not enough. Um, yep. That <laughs> man has reflexes and perception of time that, you know, the borderline super saiyan, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I said what yeah. I said. That guy's not human. Um, one of the things I want to close out on is a very heartfelt post that Felix wrote yesterday. Um, and then to kind of like to kind of set this up, I don't know Felix personally. I mean, we've talked a few times here and there, but what I get from Felix is that he's a very passionate man in the sport. He's done a lot for the sport. And I'm going to just say, it, y'all got to put some respect on his name. So, <laughs> so nah, the po- <laughs> <laughs> but let me, let me read out what, um, let me read out what he, what he posted in the dodgeball family group. Um, and then he can, further explain and add on to what I feel is a reignited fire in Felix's dodgeball soul. Trying to figure out the best way to word all this. So please excuse my rambling if it comes to that. This weekend was absolutely incredible. We have such great leadership. We have such a great leadership group and a great population of players who all have the same vision and the same goal for what we believe to be the best version of the sport of dodgeball. It's okay if others don't agree. Because while others may not share the same sentiment, I do respect the dedication, the time, the love for the very or for the other variations of the sport that others hold. When people are passionate about their project, they put more effort and dedication into it, and it's only and it is only better for everyone else. This weekend was the National Dodgeball Association's national championship event. When we started this organization earlier this year, we were legit planning for seven to eight teams. We finished this season with 26 different teams having participated in the nine events we hosted this year. Those nine events saw eight different champions. Shout out to Grand Rapids for winning the first of the year in the national championship today. The level of parity in our league is unmatched. It is a great feeling knowing that well over half of the teams participated in each event had the legit opportunity to come away with the title because, me, because it means most of your games will be competitive and meaningful. 
my favorite thing about this is our organization only gases up. I think I use the Gen Z verbiage correctly. The National College, the, the National Collegiate Dodgeball Association, because it gives those younger players something to look forward to, which then means our organization only gets larger and more legitimate because we have that perpetual feeder system. I'm so jealous of the next generation of dodgeballer because as the sun is setting on my career, the new dawn is bringing some crazy cool opportunities. If you were even slightly impressed with what you've been able to accomplish this season, you've not seen anything yet. Huge shout out to the so many people who've helped us out this season, and I'll definitely accidentally miss someone, so I'm sorry. Eric Cavanaugh, Bill Fisher, and Dodgeball on Twitch, Caleb Newell, Colby Bryce, Daniel Fernard, Eric Boyer, Eric Zander, Hunter Ford, Catherine Mays, Kevin Wynn, Chris Haas, Marco Combe, Matthew Barnett, Shaggy Norman, Nicole Kudich, Rennie Kaiser, Shadid Drakeford, Tim Wells, and Zach Fernald. Fernald. Uh, and couldn't do it without the rest of the board of directors of our nonprofit, Colin O'Brien, Dylan Fittig, Dylan Greer, Kevin Bailey, Tony Stumpo, and Wesley Peters. That took definitely a lot of heart and a lot of time to write out. If, if there's anything you want to add to that, um, it seems like as your career is setting, there's a sense of happy tears and swell in your heart that you genuinely believe in the future of the sport and this league as a whole, Felix. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like I said, this has been kind of a passion project for a while. I'm really happy that we're able to work with the team that we have to get this off the ground this year. Um, you know, I've been, I've been playing this game, um, you know, regularly and competitively since I was 14 years old. And so, you know, I'm in my 19th year of this, my shoulder hurts. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm not as agile as I used to be. I've definitely put on weight. Uh, don't have the dedication or don't have the time to put into, you know, the physical aspect of the game as much, but I still, you know, I love the sport. I love what it's become. And I am extremely jealous. I said that several times during my, my little presentation at a, at the banquet, because like, you know, when we started playing, I remember having to rent out cameras from like the local library and like record our game on, on like tape and then go into a photo into like a video lab and convert the tape into a digital format. And there wasn't YouTube in 2004, I don't think. No. And so like, we just like stored, I just, I just have like some of this old dodgeball footage on like my parents' computer that probably won't ever boot up again. And it's just like, now we have decals on the floor. We have commentators. We've got cameras up on a 40 foot tripod that are operated remotely. We have people flying in from all over the country to play the same sport that when I started off playing was um, overinflated 8.5 balls and stingers. And so like, just to see like how far the sport has come is it's been awesome. Um, you know, I'm not announcing my retirement uh, this year, but you know, it's coming and you know, I'm okay with that because in the back of my mind, I see, you know, some of these new kids, I'm like, yeah, I'm still better than you. And then we get on the court. It's like, no, nah, not anymore. <laughs> and it's just, you know, 
it just it's really cool just to see um we have some pretty exciting announcements for the nda coming up for next season um we should be releasing those you know by the end of the month uh, i wish we could talk about it on here but um just have to you know finish dotting all the dotting all the i's and crossing all the t's before we can do that um but like this is just the beginning of the sport in, in our mind and all of it goes back to the college league you know the collegiate dodgeball association has you know you know the first college club started at DePaul University in 1999 and then the first intercollegiate match was played in 2003 between Kent State and Ohio State and then the first national championship was played in 2005 and ever since then the league has continued to grow and it shows no signs of stopping or slowing or you know changing to other ball types and so it's just like why would we not want to you know gas them up and give them the motivation to get better because as long as the collegiate league is getting better we are getting better we benefit from them one of our sorry my kid is cooing um <laughs> one of the um sponsors that we have i you know i when i talked to them i told them it's like you know i'm not really interested in you know the nda making money from us from you guys directly i want all the money that would go to us to go to the collegiate league because you know to be able to get them on more college campuses to host events at, at colleges that don't have teams that just you know spreads the love of our version of the sport um yeah um yeah it's just great to hear uh felix go through that and, and talking about how he's been what do you say 19 years which is crazy and i Jeez. feel like i'm old at this point but i'm i'm not compared to him i guess but it's uh yeah it's it's just cool to, to think about where the sport's going and it, and it all goes it's just it's great to to have our our leadership group with the nda that all sort of like felix said his playing days are almost done but he's still excited for it and he's, he's still putting in hours and hours of, of his own effort here. He has a infant in his house right now and he's doing a podcast about dodgeball. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's great <laughs> to see, like she'll never play dodgeball. <laughs> oh, don't say that. She's, she's going to be a volleyball player. That's, <laughs> that's where that ends. <laughs> I, just think but, it's, uh, I think it's cool that, we all kind of share that same vision and, you know, we're just one, one format and all of that. And I, mm -hmm. I hope that uh, like, you know, whether it's the, the people out in Seattle that are doing such a fantastic job, you can tell that they all have the same vision and, and they're, you know, kicking butt because of it. You can see just the, mm -hmm. the stuff that they're producing. It's because they're all sh sharing that same vision and they, they're all marching in the same direction. And with us, with the NDA this year as, like like we've mentioned, it has exceeded expectations and it's just been great to be able to have that same vision. And and we really, what we want is we want this to get to the point where we're not good enough to play anymore. We want, mm -hmm. I've, I've said it many times, but we really want the sport to outgrow us. We want to get it to get to that point. I want people to look back. I said this in a group chat today, I think. I want the sport to get to the point where people on Twitter in 2045 are, 
arguing with each other and talking about um, my era of, of dodgeball and saying that, uh, you know, we, we aren't the greatest players or, or anything like that, because just like the same way that people would talk about comparing LeBron to like Wilt Chamberlain and how he played against uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of unathletic players and all of that, that had no talent. And, and I want that to be what happens with dodgeball. I want it to get to the point where in order to be at the highest level of dodgeball, you've got to be, you know, basically a D one baseball player level of talent. And there's some of those dudes out there um, yeah. right now. And, and we all know who they are, but I'm, I'm pumped for that future. And yeah, it'll be cool yeah. when people are making fun of us in the future. They're like, look at these losers. Look how like <laughs> terrible they were at the game. Like that would be awesome. <laughs> yes, it absolutely would because it would mean that the sport is, is, going mainstream it mean it means that the sport is doing exactly what we all hope and want it to be doing so yeah i'm excited for it and i i really truly believe that with the nda this season we are setting a foundation for that college level to transition up like we've talked about that conversion rate is going to be way better if players getting done with their college career and continuing to play dodgeball and that's just going to ramp up that level of talents in the nda and we'll see where it goes but like Felix said, this is just the beginning. This Nationals, we were talking about how amazing it was. That's going to be our worst Nationals ever. Yeah. This season, we're talking about how how awesome this season was and how cool it was to see the level of talent across. This is going to be our worst season ever. So that's the way we look at it, and, and that's why I'm so excited even two days after Nationals to, you know, to get geared up for the next year and, and plan our new things out and our new announcements that we have coming. So I'm pumped. Yeah, sure. definitely. So, um, um, I can I can kind of pick up where I left off. Oh yeah, like, go for it. I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm being rude. Go for no, it. No, <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah. So to continue what I was saying, like you know, um, Kevin and I were part of the group that started USA Dodgeball um, because we had the vision for you know the sport and you know continuing to grow and you know getting all of the organizations under one banner. So that way, you know, the sport can go into the limelight and, you know, become a, you know, a recognized household sport rather than a game. Um, you know, we, we sat down uh, at, at Boston nationals with Jake and Mark and Glenn and Tim Wells and, um, and just like kind of outlined our vision for USA dodgeball and, you know, our, our idea was to get, you know, the three big dodgeball organizations together to, you know, create that marketing campaign, which was to be USA Dodgeball. And, you know, we just, the college league just was never a priority, which is totally fine because I understand that, you know, the vision of, of USA Dodgeball is, has kind of switched to, you know, competing at Worlds. Um, and that's totally fine. You know, I respect the the amount of dedication and time and effort and resources that everyone is invested in, you know, participating at Worlds and being on Team USA and everything like that, because, you know, they have the same level of dedication that we do to our to the pinch format. And, you know, I, I respect that. I definitely do. I don't you know, I don't agree. I don't I don't you know, share that same love for those versions, but that's okay. I don't expect them to, you know, like our format as much either. Um, and that's kind of why I put that, that part in there 
in my post about, you know, respecting everybody's dedication to the game. And, um, you know, this is the, the third dodgeball organization, national organization that, you know, I've been a part of creating first with the NCDA and then USA and now the NDA. And, you know, I'd say that I'm most excited about this one at this point. Um, I think that this one definitely has a lot of potential. We've already got a lot of eyes on our organization from, you know, both inside and outside the community. And so I'm just, I'm really excited, but also kind of annoyed because it's just so much more work, but it's okay. (laughs) It'll be worth it. It's a good kind of problem to have though. Um, Yeah. It really is because I I look and what um, Kevin said it best, this will be our worst year. I mean, if, if the product I saw, you know, is the worst and I'm already like head over heels about it, you know what I mean? Like, then I can only imagine what you guys have lined up that you guys will announce on your own time. But I know you guys spent a lot of time shouting people out and a lot of, you know, you definitely laid out a very detailed post and you also, I think you added, um, who is it? Kaylee from uh, KBS? Yeah, Ka- yeah. Callie and, uh, Callie. and Brick. Yeah. Yeah. So you added them, you know, after the post, uh, cause of course you were going to forget some names. There's a lot oh, yeah. of people who helped you along the way, but in the very least you went back and acknowledged them. So I kind of want to take time to say that I have a lot of faith in you guys as an organization, as board members. Um, I'm a fan of the game. I mean, I'm going to be a dork and admit that I'm a fan of the game. Otherwise, why am I doing mm-hmm. a podcast on it? Right. Why am I traveling right. to different countries and playing? Right. You know, but there's something special that you guys got brewing up here. You know, and I, I think I probably should have picked up on it when I, you know, talked to the women of the NCDA and the, and the uh, national champion Michigan State Spartans. But there's that level of community there that if enough people or the right person heard it, it could definitely blow up. Mm-hmm. And, and I definitely see great things for you. Uh, definitely see great things for you guys, for the other board members, uh, Tony Stumpo, who can command a room. Um <laughs> small room a very small room a very I, gotta, wow. I gotta be nice to him right now i told him i would be nice to him since he won put some respect on his name man come on man. He's, 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 he's in disney world right now so which is yeah. what says they're gonna do after winning a championship oh, of course of course i'm going to disney world right that's a typical speech mm-hmm. but you know I'm a fan of the product you guys have made. I mean, were there hiccups? Of course. I mean, we've talked about them, you know, here, and I'm pretty sure there's others that we didn't touch on. But hiccups aside, I believe in your product. I believe in your league. I believe in the level of professionalism that you guys have, as well as the other board members, because I'm talking about you guys in particular as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only see this go up, and I, I do want to attend one of these events. Uh, in the near future so whenever they get announced uh, i'll see what i can bookmark and and uh, experience it for myself because there's something about the collegiate experience and the professional environment that you guys have professional semi-professional whatever you want to call it that has intrigued me in such a way that i kind of want to see see it up close if the product looked great on tv so to speak kind of want to get a courtside seats (laughs) <laughs> yeah definitely yeah we'd love to have you out yeah. it's better to hear the crack of the dodgeball hitting someone's chest in person than 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I wasn't going to go there, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> it gets, and you, with, it gets you pumped up. For sure. Oh, yeah.